I'm Jennifer Palmer, I'm the host of Online for Authors. Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. Online for Authors has come under the management of Visibility Pod. Visibility Pod manages the podcast as well as all of the guest and host booking and communication to get the episodes scheduled, up and running, and posted on to various platforms as well as creating all of our wonderful content. I'm currently a visibility strategist with Visibility Pod and offer coaching. Some coaching is offered via live visibility strategy sessions. Take those in and see if working with Visibility Pod, me as a strategist, is a fit for you. Email visibilitypodcasts at gmail.com. Meet Gramps Jeffrey, author of the children's book, I Don't Want to Turn Three. Hello. Hello, welcome to Online for Authors Podcast. Great. I understand you've written a children's book. I don't want to turn three. I did have a chance to read through it. I think it's absolutely adorable. Uh, I understand that you have a mission to help parents, grandparents with regards to children, to talk to other grandparents and parents about the importance of village and our children and grandchildren, their development and their growth. That's correct. You're you're right on. What would you like to share with us about that? What spurred you to write the book and the reason that you think that bringing this book not only to children but to parents and grandparents is so impactful? I guess the question really is, why did I write this book? You know, uh, know, living this past year with all this pandemic caused by COVID-19, you know, it was an isolation except for being able to be with my kids. It gave me a time to really watch and interact and, and see how these six grandkids really get along together and what their ups and downs are. I got to tell you, what a trip that was, because all six kids have completely different personalities. The one thing they do have in common is a sense of curiosity and how they get excited about the accomplishments. So this book is, is a true story. In other words, you know, I don't want to turn three is a true story based on what happened when I had all these kids for six weeks here. Uh, <laughs> the pictures, they're actual pictures that I took. Uh, and then the illustrator kind of made them in the cartoons. So like, for instance, you know, that, that's really uh, Levi on the cover in the bathtub. That was a picture of him in the bathtub. And so all those pictures were a part of that. So this is a true story, but it's a story I am convinced it happens to every single family in the world. They're always going through this. The, the whole main theme of the book is at what age do we begin to take responsibility for our actions? Is, is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23 years old? I'm a baby boomer. And I can tell you, there are plenty of people 63 years old that still don't take uh, responsibility for their actions. The theme of the book is when do toddlers, two, three, four-year-old, actually understand the difference between me and us. And that's what this explores. It explores what goes through a toddler's mind that parents are so desperate to understand. And it's based on the true expressions that you have had with your six grandchildren, as you mentioned, that were born to, to each, to his three millennial daughters. Yes, and they're all scattered all over. I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and two of them are here. There are two in Austin, Texas, and there are two in Orlando, Florida, which is 
different than when I was growing up. You know, when I was growing up, my uncle lived up the street. My grandmother lived two blocks over. And it was a communal kind of way of growing up. Today, it's not that way anymore. You know, we are scattered all over. So we've got to have influences over these kids that are really not within arm's length. As a baby boomer trying to understand you know, the world has evolved since I was three years old is, is really also part of uh, the story. My parents, you know, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. And I was the remote. That's a whole different way of growing up than we've got these kids growing up today. Yeah. Did you find it challenging writing the book from a generational gap point of view? Not really. In that I am totally convinced that this newest generation of kids one to 10 years old today are the smartest generation we've ever had. And they are the ones that've got the potential for really changing this country for the better. You know, they, they, they're lucky and that this is the first world generation that just grew up on the internet, grew up on iPads, grew up with on all this electronic information. So they have all of that affecting their lives right now. Now it's up to us, the generation that is a little bit older, if you take them, think about it, every decade, you get a little smarter, you get a little wiser, and that's caused because you make a lot more mistakes and you understand things better. We need to be able to take our wisdom that we've gotten over all these decades and combine it with how fast they're learning through all these electronic manners to help mold these kids into that greatest generation. Wonderful way to bring grandparents and grandchildren together. The actual influence that grandparents can have is wonderful. It's nice to pass that gift along. It's harder today than it ever was. Like I was saying, I've got kids all over the country. As grandparents, what do we do? How do we keep in contact with them? Using my particular case as an example, and I'm sure every grandparent has a different kind of example, but one of the things I noticed when I all six of them here for about six weeks is all of them, two, three, four, five-year-old, they love dinosaurs. Now, I don't know why all these little kids love dinosaurs, but they can name all the different kinds of dinosaurs. They can tell me if they eat meat. I know dinosaurs is uh, small, medium, and large. They, they know all this stuff. This is something that they could all relate to with themselves, with their friends. It was, it was kind of a bonding way. So when the two from Austin and the two from Orlando left, we figured, how are we going to keep in contact with them? Because little kids don't call you. When you're out of sight, out of mind, when, uh, when you're a little kid, they live for the moment. So how do the grandparents who are not living in the same town become relevant to kids that are away? So what we did is, knowing that they all love these dinosaurs, we decided to take, we have six dinosaurs here in my house. And so we took these six dinosaurs and we started putting them someplace different every day. For instance, they'd be in the refrigerator eating blueberries. The next night they would be at the sink washing dishes with grandma with the soap on their nose. And then they would be playing the piano. And then another night they'd be walking up the steps. We came up with 50 different places around our house and outside our house where these dinosaurs were. So that's how we became relevant to our kids during the pandemic, because they would go through their routine. They'd take their bath, they would read a book, and then the kids would ask the parents, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So they would uh, call my wife's iPhone, get on Facebook. They say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that was our way of being remote 
taking care of and, and keeping in contact with our kids so that we can become relevant. Because once you start that story, you can start teaching them other things too. I am sure your listeners can come up with all kinds of other ideas too. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So I, I know from your book, we can see that it's written from a child's point of view uh, and the awareness that kids can be selfish and also capable of learning and understanding. And there's also this story that teaches kids social skills and getting along with others and the advantages and disadvantages of growing up and getting older. And those are all very valuable messages on both ends of the spectrum. Yes. You know, the, the way that the book ends, and I'll tell you the ending, it's only 32 pages, so it's not like it's a big secret. The children decide, and it was driven by the oldest grandchild who was eight at the time, Olivia. She suggested that they give all of their toys to the homeless kids downtown. That's how it all came together. That's how they all learned what it is to share with others, which is actually what happened. So if you, if you think about it, if life could end that way, that would be great. That That's what drove the whole story, where they all came together and understood that you have to help other people. That's just part of growing up. I, I want to bring in your quote, because you have a quote that you like very much. And I, I want to ask really how it is that you've come to enjoy this quote. And it's, it is necessary to teach children how to think, not what to think. Yes, that's something the grandparents and parents need to drive in, that it is necessary to teach children to think, not what to think. Probably the best way to do this, the best way to teach children how to think when they're two, three, and four years old is to get them involved in reading books, having the books become part of their routine every night. You know, And the reason for that is when you're thinking about books, uh, you want your kids to go ahead and uh, pick out the book. Now, Obviously, I'd love everybody to be reading my book, but there's a hundred other great books out there for them to read. Why should you be reading books with kids? Well, number one reason is that it is a great bonding process. Here you are with a child for 10, 15, 20 minutes, just you and them. And it gives you a chance really to become part of who they are and what they are. So reading books to kids is good for the bonding. Another reason why we all need to be reading books to kids is getting in the habit of listening and then eventually reading their own books is because it supports listening skills. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I know as we grow older, that listening skills is the best skill we can have because the more we listen, the better we can communicate and the better we can drive our lives. So if you can teach these kids for 15, 20 minutes a night to listen, it's going to pay off for them as they grow older. Another reason why we need to be reading books to kids is it's because of the cognitive and the language development. There's words in these books they don't understand. So it gives you a chance to kind of explain it to them. They don't get that on the internet. They get that on a one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing where you're know, working with their parents and their grandparents. Another reason is the attention span that they get for those 15, 20 minutes Kids, you know, bounce off the walls all day long. If you can hold them for 15, 20 minutes, it helps with their attention span. So combine the reading of the books, the lessons they can learn reading books, you know, with how they're learning on the internet and so forth. And that is what's going to cause us to be the greatest generation. I think that's fabulous. This book has valuable messages like taking responsibility for your own actions, which is a lesson affecting readers of all ages. Yeah, parents and grandparents are truly role models. Okay? So, so if your child sees you on your phone all day and you're texting all day and you're not paying attention around you, that's what's going to happen to them. That's how they're going to learn. 
So if we can be the role models of, of teaching them how and where to read books, that's just going to bring them along faster than any other generation. Going back to the idea that we want to teach children, you know, that's necessary to teach them how to think. As you're reading a book to them, and before you read the book, first of all, let them take out the book, uh, because that way they're totally involved in it. But before you read in the book, ask them the question, what do you think is going to happen in the book? Again, we want to get them to think. And then when you're in the middle of the book, you want to you want to talk to them about what are the characters in the book? What is the setting of this book? Does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Again, we got to get them to keep thinking. And then at the end of the book, much like you should be doing every night at dinner, what was your favorite part of the book? Just like at nighttime, what did you do today? What was your favorite part of the day? What was your favorite part of the book? The earlier we can get them to think, the smarter they're going to be. You go by the name of Gramps Jeffrey, but your lovely wife, Kathy, knows you as Mark Joseph. Do you want to tell me why you chose a pen name for this book? You know, all my kids call me Gramps, all six of them. And I decided to do that early on because I guess G's are easy for kids to say so they can say Gramps. So it was one syllable. It was easy for them. Um, So that's why I wanted to be related in my pen name is Gramps. Jeffrey happens to be my middle name. And the reason I chose Jeffrey was because it's spelled J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. Now, for as long as I've been married, my wife has spelled it wrong. She spelled it the other way, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. So I figured that if I put it on a book, she'll learn how to spell it the right way. So <laughs> that's why I decided to become Gramps Jeffries. And now I can say she spells it the right way. Poor Kathy. <laughs> Outing your wife here. I don't know if this is a good move here, Mark. <laughs> uh, this might be part of the outtakes. Mm. So how long have you been an author for? My first book was a business book called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. That's what it looks like right here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wrote that you know, a little while back because my history was I was in corporate America for a long time. Then I decided to become an entrepreneur. And I went ahead and I opened a couple businesses. One business I uh, sold to investors, uh, which was a chain of salons. And the second business I took public, which is uh, the internet business, the business to business site on the internet which sells case quantity of small items of uh, case packs to small businesses who survive and thriving as the chain. So our customer base for the moms and pops who are surviving and thriving as the chains. So as we were building up that business, I found that I was getting all kinds of uh, questions from all these entrepreneurs and small business owners on how to do different things. So that book is a 15 chapter book of how to open a business. You know, how do you hire your people? Where, how do you find your location? What kind of products do you need to sell? How do you find them? How do you deal with vendors? How do you market on the internet? How do you market in regular uh, traditional ways? And the last uh, chapter is exit. How do you get out of your business? So, that's what I started writing. So what happened was Huffington read my book. She asked me to contribute to the Huffington Post. And I've written over 100 articles for the Huffington Post on all kinds of subjects like entrepreneurship and small businesses. But most of the articles are on nonprofit organizations about the homeless and uh, the underprivileged and the elderly and schools. And that was all driven because as we were building our 
company through the internet, about half the business was coming from nonprofit organizations. Churches and schools were buying products from us because of our low prices. They were able to stretch the dollars and help more people. So that gave me a real insight into the nonprofit world. And that's why I'm, I'm thrilled that my book ended with all the little kids giving everything to the to homeless because, you know, that's what I've been preaching for many, many years throughout my family. Giving back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, as an author, both in not only a business knowledge book, but a fictional children's book, what do you find the challenges that you've had in your journey or advice that you would give to other authors in the process? Don't be afraid to be yourself and take that chance. You know, it took me a while to be an author. When I was in college, you know, I, I did a uh, backpack with my best friend through Europe for 11 weeks. And we went to all the different countries and we did the trains and stayed at youth hostels and everything you did when you're young you know, aren't, aren't, as, aren't as afraid as you are when you're older. I kept a journal every single day of what we did. And the journal was of the people we met, the places we went to and, and so forth. You know, And I made a copy of the journal and I gave it to my friend. He called me about 10 years later. He says, you got to read this journal. He says, it's unbelievable. The insights, the feelings. He says, you really got to do this. He says, you should be an author. And I said, you know, I'm in the middle of my business life. You know, I'm trying to build a business here. I'm trying to get ahead in the real world. I don't have time for that. I guess my one regret is do it as soon as you can. Don't wait until you're my age to start writing books. If you've got that heart and desire and you're a teenager or in your 20s, put pen to pencil and go for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful. The secrets of retailing, how to beat Walmart. With all of this wonderful advice with regards to, you know, helping entrepreneurs and small businesses, did you ever do any coaching? I coached our customers, and that really was how this book became about. But if I was to give advice to entrepreneurs today who wanted to start a business and were thinking seriously about it, is realize that there are so many more people smarter than you are in areas that you are not good in that you've got to rely on. Taking me, for instance, you know, I, I love marketing and I love sales, but I really don't like accounting. If you stick me in a room for a day to do accounting, I'll go nuts. So I realized early on that if I'm going to grow any of my businesses, I've got to find somebody who loves accounting, who has as much passion for accounting as I have for marketing. You've got to hire people better than you. I, I can't draw a straight line. If you wanted me to draw art or anything, I would be sitting there so frustrated for a day that it would, it would drive me nuts. So I have to find someone who you know, can, can do the drawings, who, who can do the, uh, all the graphics and so forth, because I can't do it. Even though I was a pioneer in the internet world, I, I can't program. I know how to market it, but I can't write the code. So I've got to find somebody who could do coding to do that. Because if you don't do that early on, you're going to not get anything done. You're going to be stuck doing all these things that you're not really good at. And it's, you're going to lose sight of the business that you want to open. 50% of entrepreneurs and small businesses fail within the first five years. So you got to be very careful of that. So if I was to give anybody any advice, if I was to coach someone today, it's make sure you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are. Yeah. The experts, the professionals, don't be afraid to find a mentor and, and uh, outsource what you're not good at. Exactly, exactly. 
You know, earlier we were talking about all the great questions that we as adults need to ask our children. There's one question that I wish that every family would ask their child every single day. And this can be asked when they're two, three, four, five years old. That question is, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Now, if you step back and think about that, first time that you ask your child that, they're going to look at you and say, what are you talking about? You know, I'm stealing my cousin's toys. I don't, I don't want to do nice, anything nice. But <laughs> if you ask it to them every single day, you start asking it to them. By the fourth or fifth day, they're going to say, well, mommy, you know, I'm going to give a good answer. I'm going to tell mom that, you know, I, I, I shared my trucks with my cousins. Yeah. And the reason I want to get that out there is if, if we can start to ingrain these kids every day, what did you do uh, today that was nice for someone else? They're going to do something nice for somebody else. Can you imagine if this generation took that attitude and took it to the rest of the country? Hmm. And so if you think about that, if we could ask that to every child every day, this generation, and they actually took action on it how impactful that will be as they get older and start to run our country. How much different will our country be by then? Beautiful. Beautiful. One question that changes the world. Fantastic. Wonderful. Mark, I understand that you have a wonderful Valentine's Day offer for listeners. The first two people that say, I want your book, either one of them, we will go ahead and ship it out to them for free. And no cost. I'll even pay the freight because I think it's just so important for people to read these books. So we'll be giving away two books of I Don't Want to Turn Three and two books of The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. What they could do would be to email you and say, I saw uh, your interview on the Online for Authors podcast, and I'd like to take you up on your free book offer. This is the book I'd like. And they can just email that off to you. Yes, absolutely. We'll honor the first two that come in. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Great. Thank you. I want to thank you very much for being on the Online for Authors podcast. And I want to make sure that people know that they can find you in your book at I don't want to turn three dot com or Gramps Jeffrey, that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot right. com. <laughs> <laughs> and your book is also available on platforms such as Barnes and Noble and Amazon. That's correct. And if any of your listeners want to explore any of these topics even further, just have them email me. It's gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To get notifications of new releases, subscribe. You can also like, follow, download, and share. If you've enjoyed this, your friends will too.